0: section fifteen of a year with the saints translated by a member of the order of mercy this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by maria terese august diligence he did all things well mark seven thirty-seven. one all our good and all our evil certainly lies in the character of our actions as they are so are we for we are the tree and they the fruit and therefore they prove what each one is st augustine a servant of god at the point of death once spoke thus now i know that totum opus nostrum in operatione consistit our actions are our sole concern st aloysius gonzaga set down in writing a resolution that he would do all in his power that every one of his actions might be good and bring him nearer to god St. Bonaventure used to excite himself and others to constant occupation in good works by often repeating this beautiful sentiment. Every hour that we waste in sloth, we lose a glory equal to the good works we might have performed in it. 2. It is not enough to do good things, but we must do them well, in imitation of Christ our Lord, of whom it was written, Bene Omnia fecit. He did all things well. We ought then to strive to do all things in the spirit of christ that is with the perfection with the circumstances and for the ends for which he performed his actions otherwise even the good works that we do will bring us punishment rather than reward st vincent de paul st john Birchman's followed this precept in all his actions however different and unequal they might be so that any one who saw him and who considered the work itself and at the same time the manner and circumstances in which it was done Will be obliged to say that each action was performed in the best way possible this was the case not only because his objects and aims were always perfectly correct but because certain little details in performance were like an exquisite enamel which made all his actions perfect and finished in the eyes of god and men and precious and meritorious in themselves so whoever should strip his actions of such adjuncts would rob them of their beauty and their value for example he never enjoyed games but rather spiritual conversation or scientific discussions but if he was in the country in vacation he would play at billiards or quoits, when invited so as to be like the rest in playing he would accept as a partner a newcomer or an unskilled player though he might be sure it would make him lose the game he played with the greatest attention neither noticed nor spoke of anything else and played well when his term came he first made the sign of the cross openly As he did before every action he was never angry and never raised his voice whatever success he had if he lost he immediately knelt to Saint ave maria for the victors if he won he was silent showed no particular pleasure and he did not exult over the losers these circumstances taken together greatly elevated the action and made it spiritual though in itself considered it was indifferent and trivial St. Ignatius asked a lay brother who was doing his work with much negligence, for whom he did it, and when the latter replied that it was for God. Now, said the saint, if you were working for men, it would not be so bad, but if you are working for so great a lord as God, it is a very great fault to do it as you do. 3. Many believe that they can do no true penance for their sins except by giving themselves up to corporal austerities but we know that he does a very good penance for his sins, who takes pains to perform all his actions well, to please the Lord, which is a matter of great perfection and great merit. St. Francis de Sales St. John Birchman's did no severe penances, but he placed his whole perfection in performing his ordinary actions well, and with great exactness. To this effect he wrote upon a slip of paper the maxim, Penitenciana mea maxima vita communis. My greatest penance is the common life, and with this alone, how perfect and dear to God he rendered himself. The same thing is told of St. Stanislaus Casca, Saint Francis de Sales, and many others. For if man could see what reward he will have in the world above for doing well, he would never employ his memory, understanding, or will in anything but good works, without regarding at all what labor or trials he might experience in them. Saint Catherine of Genoa Blessed Boniface, a Cistercian monk, once desired, on Christmas Eve, to see the Holy Infant, and the Blessed Virgin appeared to him and placed him in his arms. Then the child raised a veil which covered his face, at sight of which the monk exclaimed in ecstasy, If there were nothing in Paradise but this blessed face, would it not be worth while to suffer all the tribulations in the world to gain a sight of it? For this reason St. Francis remained content in the midst of sufferings, and said, so great is the good which I expect that every pain is a delight to me. A servant of God, after her death, appeared to another and told her that the felicity and glory to which God had brought her in heaven for good works was so great that if she could possess an addition only as much as is given for an Ave Maria well said, she would be contented to return to earth and suffer all sorts of trials to the day of judgment. Five. Endeavor not to appear singular, but to be so this is done by leading in all respects the common life doing all things that are enjoined but with exactness in the time place and manner prescribed we must do common things not in a common manner but in a manner more sublime and perfect than that in which they are commonly done this is to appear externally like all the rest and to be interiorly singular which is a great virtue and a treasure of merit saint bernard this great praise is given to the saint himself erraten non ordinarius look it up in ordinary things he was not ordinary it is a saint francis de sales that he was the most exact of men not only at the altar and in choir where he observed even the smallest ceremonies punctually and faithfully but also in private in reciting the office and in all his duties six be not of those who think perfection consists in undertaking many things but of those who place it in doing well what little they do For it is much better to do little and do it well, than to undertake much and do it ill. Yes, little and good, this is the best. Therefore, if we wish to advance, or when we wish to give some special honor to our Lord, we have to redouble not our exercises, but the perfection with which we perform them. St. Francis de Sales A devout young nun recited every day the complete rosary of fifteen decades, but with little devotion on account of its length. One day the Blessed Virgin appeared to her, and told her to recite only the third part of it. For, said she, a few prayers, said fervently, are more acceptable to my son and to me, than many said negligently and without devotion. 7. The Lord measures our perfection not by the number and greatness of the works we do for him, but by our manner of doing them. and this manner it is only the love of God, with which and for which we do them. They are more perfect as they are done with more pure and perfect love, and as they are less mingled with the thoughts of pleasure or praise in this life or the other. Saint John of the Cross. When Saint Bernard was assisting one night at matins, he saw some angels who were carefully noting down the merits of each of the monks. The merits of those who were praying with much fervor they set down in golden characters; of those with less fervor in silver characters; of those with good will but without affection in ink. Of those of sloth and drowsiness in water but as to those who were in mortal sin or voluntarily distracted they wrote nothing but standing motionless they lamented their blindness saint francis borgia said that though his sermons often pleased neither himself nor others through a wrong choice or arrangement of subject yet they always produced fruit because he did all he could for his own part and always purely for god The same truth is illustrated by the incident of the two little copper coins which the widow in the gospel cast into the treasury. Our Lord declared that she had put in more than the others, though perhaps there were some who gave gold or silver pieces. There could be no reason for this except that she must have given that small amount with more love than the rest, who, as the Lord himself added, gave out of their superabundance, while she, on account of her poverty, was obliged to subtract the little she gave from her daily living eight doing our work well consists in a very pure intention and strong purpose of pleasing god alone this may be called the principle or the soul of our actions and it gives them all their value and renders them easy and pleasing to us st francis de sales st thomas aquinas appeared after death to one who had much devotion to him with the most beautiful star upon his breast and said that it was given him as a reward for the perfectly pure intention with which he had performed all his actions. St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi constantly taught her novices to offer all their actions to God, even the smallest, and to establish them firmly in this practice. She would sometimes ask them unexpectedly why they were doing whatever they were engaged upon, and if they answered that they were doing it without supernatural intention, she added, Do you not see that you are thus losing merit? God does not accept such actions." We read in ecclesiastical history that the abbot Pembo, seeing a dancing girl gaily dressed and adorned, began to weep. Being asked why he did so, he answered, Because, alas, I do not use as much care and diligence in seeking to please God by my works, as this girl employs in adorning herself to please men. 9. What are the works upon which all our profit and all our perfection depends? All those which it is our lot to perform but especially the ordinary ones that we do every day these are the most frequent and therefore upon these more than upon others we ought to fix our eyes and to employ our attention and diligence the measure of their perfection will be the measure of our own if we do them perfectly we shall be perfect if imperfectly imperfect here precisely is the difference between the perfect and the imperfect religious it is not that one does different things from the other but one does ordinary things with perfection, and the other with imperfection and tepidity, Rodríguez When St. Gertrude was young, she did nothing except what her companions did. Indeed, she did less, for there were many things that she was not permitted to do, on account of her delicate health. Yet she was more perfect than they. Now, how did this saint attain such lofty perfection? In this way, the very things that she did at the same time with the others she did with greater perfection than they it is said of st stanislaus Kaska that though he did only the same thing that others did yet the excellence with which he did them made it seem that he did more Ten, among our daily works those which we ought to have most at heart are the spiritual we should make every effort to perform them well and let everything else yield to them when necessity or obedience does not forbid for they regard god most directly and do the most to advance us in perfection. If we act otherwise, we draw upon ourselves the malediction fulminated by the Holy Spirit against those who do the work of God negligently. Saint Vincent de Paul Saint Vincent himself lived by this rule. Though he was burdened with a great number and variety of important and urgent affairs, yet he was most exact in his ordinary spiritual exercises, which he performed always with great devotion and fervor. When St. Philip Neri was performing or assisting at any spiritual exercise, such as a public ceremony or the reading of devout books, he was so penetrated with emotion that sparks of fire sometimes seemed to come from his face, and a torrent of tears from his eyes. One day, while they were singing compline in the Dominican church, he was seen to weep so profusely that the tears drenched his clothing, and in reading the lives of the saints, especially in his old age, he wept constantly. When the prophet Lulisius sent Gehazi with his staff to raise to life the son of the Sunamite by its means, he ordered him not to give a return or salutation on the road. This was intended to show that when we are occupied in any spiritual exercise, we ought not be diverted to other things, even under the pretext of civility. 11. The Mass is certainly a function, the most excellent, the most holy, the most acceptable to God, and useful to us that can be imagined. And so while it is going on the angels assist in crowds with bare feet with earnest eyes with downcast brows with great silence with incredible amazement and veneration with what purity attention devotion and reverence then ought the priest to celebrate it he should approach the sacred altar as jesus christ assist there as an angel minister there as a saint offer there the prayers of the people as a high priest interpose there for reconciliation between god and men As a mediator and pray for himself as a simple human being saint laurence justinian saint cajetan prefaced the mass always with a sorrowful confession and a long preparation which often lasted eight hours which he spent wholly in acts of love and contrition by way of preparation and thanksgiving the face of saint ignatius used to glow while he was celebrating and his heart became so inflamed that in many cases he could not stand after mass and was obliged to be carried to his room to the wonder of all saint conrad was so enkindled that the fingers with which he touched the body of the lord remained bright and glowing so that in the darkness of night they served him for a lamp the venerable father john leonardi was one morning seen to come from the sacristy with his head surrounded by rays a lady who saw him turned to the bystanders and said now surely i can say that i have seen a saint st thomas aquinas st francis savior and many others were often wrapped in ecstasies at mass st vincent de paul pronounced the words of the mass in a gentle voice not very low nor very high and in a manner at once unconstrained and devout he recited them neither very slowly nor very rapidly but as was suitable to the sanctity of the action so that his mass did not ordinarily exceed half an hour in length but the interior spirit which accompanied his words and actions was singular on account of his unusual tenderness He said the confitior in spiritu humilitatis nobis quoque peccatoribus domine non dignus and similar prayers with great contrition and humility his devotion rose especially while reading the holy gospel when he came to any words spoken by christ he uttered it in a more tender and more moving voice and when he met with the words amen dico vobis he gave marked attention to what followed in fine he did everything with such modesty gravity and tenderness as he moved all present to devotion, and so persons who did not know him were often heard to exclaim, Ah, here is a priest who says Mass well, he must surely be a saint. After his own Mass, he would serve another from devotion, and he did this regularly, though overwhelmed with business, up to the age of seventy-five years, when he could no longer walk without a cane or kneel except with great effort. But the glorious St. Philip Neri was conspicuous among all for his virtue while others needed long preparation in order to be recollected and say mass devoutly he on the contrary needed first to amuse himself a little so that often before going to celebrate he would have a book of stories read to him in the act of celebrating he was often noticed to heave deep sighs and to melt into tears sometimes he would pause because he was unable to proceed sometimes he would shiver and tremble so as to shake the predella and again fall into such abstraction that it was necessary to pull his vestments to rouse him When he reached the offertory the joy of his heart was so great while he was young that his hand would rise of itself and he could not pour the wine into the chalice unless he rested his arm firmly on the altar in elevating the most holy sacrament he would remain with his arms stretched upward unable for a time to lower them and at other times he would rise a span and more from the ground in taking the body of the lord he enjoyed such sweetness that he seemed like a person who was tasting some delicious beverage and in taking the blood, he pressed a chalice between his lips, so that he not only rubbed off the gold, but wore away the silver, upon which he left the marks of his teeth. For this reason he was not willing that any one should stand where his face could be seen, not even the server, whom he told to keep at a distance, and not bring him the purificator until he should receive a sign. If he was to give Holy Communion, his fervor increased to such a degree that thrills were seen to run through his whole body, to the great wonder of those present. And when he took the ciborium in his hand he trembled so much that the sacred particles were shaken above the edge his face meanwhile seemed all on fire and an abundance of tears flowed from his eyes in saying mass he uttered the words with so much devotion that he often made those weep who listened to him when he had finished he withdrew immediately to his room but with such abstraction that he often passed close to persons without perceiving them and his face was so pale that he seemed rather dead than alive his mass when said in public was rather short than long that he might not weary the people so that those who were in haste were glad to see him come out of the sacristy but when it was in his private oratory it lasted not less than four hours twelve the divine office is one of the most excellent works in which we can be engaged as the divine praises are celebrated in it it is an employment fit for angels and therefore it ought to be recited, not by constraint or custom, but by choice, and with the application of our whole soul. St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi. When this saint heard the office bell, she was glad to find herself summoned to praise God, and instantly laid aside whatever she was doing. And while she was reciting the office, her face showed the attention and devotion of her mind. St. Augustine, during its recitation, banished every other thought, and gave up his whole soul to it. Father Suarez says of himself that on taking up the breviary, every other thought vanished from his mind, and during the whole time of office nothing, however important it might be, distracted him. Father Alvarez never recited it in the streets, nor while walking, but always in a retired place, usually kneeling in the middle of his own room, and at the regular hours. He did it with great calmness, with much reverence, and slowly— He was stopped from time to time to dwell upon those pious sentiments which the Lord communicated to him, the greatness of which appeared in his exhortations and in the depth of his soul. The venerable Father de Ponte, when saying the procidamus ante deum, let us fall prostrate before God, prostrated himself at full length upon the ground, with the same feeling of devotion and veneration that he would have had in the visible presence of God. During all the time of the office he kept up the greatest attention and recollection, and never interrupted it for any cause, nor answered any one who asked him a question. Father Faber, in order to be attentive at office, often imagined his guardian angel on one side, marking all the words said well, and on the other side a demon, recording all the distractions of mind. At the beginning of every psalm he said, Pater celestis dummi spiritum, Heavenly Father, give me thy spirit. Then he bade his mind remain attentive through that psalm, St. Francis Xavier said, with fervor, before each hour, Veni Sancti Spiritus. St. Bonaventure imagined himself reciting it amid multitudes of angels, singing in their choir. St. Vincent de Paul did the same, and when he recited it privately, he assumed the most humble and recollected posture that he could, by kneeling with uncovered head until the last three years of his life, when, on account of his great infirmity, he was obliged to remain sitting but when he said it in choir his elevation of mind was so great that he seemed as if unconscious of all things and wholly wrapped in god all these and many others said their office with great devotion and at the same time with no ordinary consolation and fruit some of them were so filled with celestial delights and sweetness that they showed exterior signs of it it is told of saint augustine that he was often bathed in tears of saint ignatius that he shed so many tears that he nearly lost his sight of st julian the monk that he had thus spoiled his bravery and made it nearly illegible of two young monks whom st macarius saw that at each verse a flame darted from the mouth of one and as it were a lighted torch from that of the other of st francis saviour that his great fervour made his heart palpitate so violently that he suffered frequent fainting fits of st mary magdalene de posi that she had many ecstasies of st catherine of Bologna, that she often remained immovable with uplifted face and eyes fixed on the crucifix and that her absorption was so great that she would not feel it if any one pulled her habit neither would she perceive any faults in the recitation nor anything that happened in the chapel nor who passed in or out and she said that it was not possible to remember that one was in the midst of angels and singing praises with them and at the same time to keep the heart on earthly things st philip Neri, on account of the great union with god which he experienced while saying the office was always obliged to recite with another for he could scarcely know how to bring it to an end alone thirteen the examination of conscience which all good people are accustomed to make before going to rest in order to see how they have passed the day and whether they have gone forward or backward is of the greatest use not only to conquer evil inclinations and to uproot bad habits but also to acquire virtues and to perform our ordinary duties well we must however observe that its best use does not lie in discovering the faults we have committed in the day but in exciting aversion for them and in forming a strong resolution to commit them no more father m de avila we read in monastic history that a holy monk said i do not think the devils have twice entangled me in the same fault the cause of this was that in examining his first fall he was so penetrated with shame for his disloyalty and with abhorrence for the sin committed, and he impressed so deeply upon his heart the resolution of falling into it no more, that no second temptation to it had any power over him. All the saints and masters of the spiritual life have set a high value on this examination, practising it and recommending it as a most efficacious means to eradicate any vice or fault, and to advance in perfection. We may see this in reading the lives of St. Dorotheus, St. Basil, St. John Chrysostom, St. John Climacus, St. Bernard, St. Bonaventure, St. Ignatius Loyola, and many others. The last-named esteemed it so much that, in a certain way, he even preferred it to meditation. For, by the examine, he said, we put in practice what we draw from meditation. So at the beginning he kept his companions occupied for a long time in their examination of conscience, and in frequenting the sacraments, For he thought if these things were well done it would be enough to preserve them in virtue he testifies too of himself that if he had gained anything he knew that it had been acquired in great part by the diligence he had every day employed in making his examen even the heathen philosophers knew the great utility of such an examen st jerome relates to pythagoras that among the instructions he gave his disciples the one that he considered of the greatest importance was that they should have two times a day fixed one in the morning, the other in the evening, when they should examine themselves upon three points. What have I done? How have I done it? What have I omitted that I ought to have done, and that they should be pleased at the good which they discovered, and displeased at the evil? We read that Seneca, Plutarch, Epictetus, and others recommended the same thing. 14. How can the sun and moon praise God, as the prophet exhorts them to? by performing well that task which has been imposed on them by the Lord. This is great praise which they give him. Behold, then, an excellent way in which you can praise God at all times, by performing well your tasks and whatever you may have to do. St. Jerome St. John Birchman's was most diligent in every employment assigned to him. When he had the care of the spiritual father's room, he kept it so neat and so well provided with, every little necessary, that the father was astonished, and never found another to equal him. And, what was more, he never disturbed him, or said an unnecessary word. When he had charge of the lamps, he never once omitted to look them over and trim them, and if he was going out of town on a holiday, he would either attend to them before starting, or come back in time to have them ready before it was dark. Once, being afraid that he should lose this charge, he begged the father rector to let him retain it. Father Alvarez faithfully fulfilled all the charges imposed on him, observing even the most minute rules, He continued his care and solicitude up to the last day and hour that he held them. When he was rector, he never failed to visit his subjects at the hour of prayer, and he did this up to the day when he left the house to become provincial. 15. Never allow yourself to believe the time lost, which is spent in performing your charge well. For this is a thing so acceptable to the lord that he gives in a little time what he would otherwise be much longer in giving and even doubles what has been abandoned in his service saint Teresa. this saint relates that she had known a number of persons who had been long occupied entirely in works of obedience and charity and who had yet advanced so much in the spiritual life that she was amazed i spoke with one in particular she added who told me that for fifteen years in succession obedience had kept her so much engaged in the guidance of others and in various employments that she did not remember having a day to herself but she tried her best to snatch an hour for meditation and to act with purity of conscience she was the soul more inclined to obedience than any other i have ever met so that she attracted to it all with whom she spoke and our lord rewarded her richly for in the end without knowing how she found herself with that liberty of spirit which all the perfect is so earnestly prayed for, and which includes all the felicity that can be found in this life. End section 15